Today we are, we kind of launched a, a series last week with it being the first Sunday of the year on harvest. And so we really don't have an actual yearly theme like we sometimes launch the first Sunday of the year, um, but we do wholeheartedly believe this is the year for harvest, that the harvest is now. 2020 was a year, amen? It was a year, and our theme for 2020 was greater things, a year of miracles, signs, and wonders. And boy, did we ever see God do some incredible miracles throughout our body, throughout our communities, in our world. And we believe that our response to 2020 is that the harvest is ripe. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the harvest is ripe, and that there are promises of the Father that he has given us that are ripe for harvest. This is a now word. His commission in Matthew and in Mark, all throughout the Gospels, go and make disciples. It is a now word. It is go now into the harvest fields. They're ready and they're ripe. He said in John chapter 4, we read this last week. You know the saying, this is Jesus speaking, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around, the fields are already ripe for harvest. Stop waiting, stop sitting on your hands. Silence is the enemy of truth. Faith comes by hearing, and if we don't speak, how will they know? If we don't go, how will they ever have an encounter with the love of Jesus if we're not going, if we're not compelled by love to go. We read this uh, quote last week by Mario Murillo. He's a prophet. Says, don't go after predictions about what will happen. Instead, go after God and make something happen. Stop listening to the predictions. Stop listening to what people think is going to happen because as we said a couple weeks ago, there's a difference between facts and the truth. And we have facts thrown in our faces all day long. You watch the news, you're on social media, you hear it on the street, you hear it at work. What are the facts? These are the facts. This is what's happening. This is where we're going. This is where we're going to be at in the next five to 10 years. But the facts must bow to the truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth and I don't change. So whatever the facts that are being circulated, they mean nothing when compared to the truth of the word of God. And he does not change. Go after God. Stop listening to the news. Stop listening to the media. Go after God. Go after his word, his presence. One thing that we can promise you in 2021, we're not making any other predictions other than this. God's presence is in 2021. He goes before us. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And he is in tomorrow. God's presence is everything. Where he is, we win. Leslie said this last week. She said, listen, I'm not talking about winning a competition. I'm talking about the victory paid for by the blood of Jesus. I'm our winning looks like laying our lives down and taking on his. Our winning looks like throwing caution to the wind and telling everyone we can that they can walk in the same abundant glory. That's what we mean by winning. That's what we mean by kingdom come, his kingdom. The word harvest means to gain, to win, 
or to use, a result of any past act. Jesus, he told his disciples, he's like, listen, guys, you got the easy job. The hard work has already been done. You have the easy job. You get to go out and reap the harvest that's already been planted. And that is an unchanging commission, an unchanging mandate for all of us to go, to pray that the Holy Spirit will send out more laborers into the harvest field. You don't think there's a job that needs to be done? Just start walking around the city. Go talk to the police officers. Go talk to our first responders. Go talk to our counselors. Go talk to our uh, judges. There is so much that needs to be done, but we don't do it through striving, and we don't do it through trying to, you know, make it happen and work hard. We do it through rest and trusting in God and being obedient to his word. So how do we as a body move forward in this climate with the divisive spirit of the enemy running rampant in the air? The goal of the enemy is division, and you can see it almost anywhere you look. Do you agree? The goal of the enemy is division at all costs, and he will stop at nothing to bring division. You see it in politics, the economy, in business, in education, in family. You see it in the church. And we, as the church of Jesus Christ, big C church, people, not just our life way, not just the assemblies of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we are called to unity Ethel had no idea what we were preaching about today. And I'm listening to her give that word, and it's literally, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit downloaded in our hearts two weeks ago. This wasn't even this week. We had most of this written out two weeks ago. So this isn't a response to what has just been happening this week in our country and in our world. The Holy Spirit knows. He is never taken by surprise. And unity is what we're pursuing, is what we're called to. John 17, Jesus prays that we would be united with him, the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he prays that we would be united with one another. Look at the screens. John chapter 17, you can turn there in your Bibles or flip there or just read it. This is uh, verses 20 through 23 in the uh, English Standard Version. I do not ask for these only. So what's happening here in John 17, you need to read the entire chapter because it's so powerful. It's Jesus' prayer for himself, the disciples, and the world, and us. And it's such a powerful chapter. But Jesus has just finished praying over his disciples that were there with him. And then he says, I do not ask for these only, talking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's me and you that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be Come perfectly one. Are you sensing a theme in his prayer here? So that the world will know. There he says it again. So that the world will know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. How many times did you read the word one in that prayer? You think unity is on the heart of the Father? 
that oneness, togetherness, is his heart for his church. You see, he said twice, I pray that they're one so that the world will believe. Because listen, the world believing in Jesus hinges on the ability of the church to be one. The world believing in Jesus hinges on the church being united. This is why, and we've been preaching this mantra for years, this is why denominational walls and traditions must not supersede our unity. Because when they do, the world is unable to see Jesus. One kingdom, guys. One church. Different flavors. Flavors are good. Flavors are important. Okay? Traditions and doctrine are important. And we need to hold to what we believe and not bash another church for believing what they believe or put them down. But when tradition and doctrine and denomination supersedes our unity, that's when we have a problem. Because then the world is not able to see Jesus. All they see is a church that's bickering back and forth. How can we love the world if we can't love each other? Heavenly unity, though, listen, is not earthly uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. We can have differences of opinion. We can have differences of process, of even doctrine, and still move in love and unity together. It's possible. It's what Jesus has called us to do. He said, moving forward in John, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Why would Jesus say a new commandment I give you, love each other? Wasn't love always a part of his language? Wasn't love always a part of the language of God? Yes, absolutely. But not until this point were his disciples, were his followers able to love people with his love. Because an encounter with Jesus, we are then um, empowered to love people like Jesus loves them. And that's when lives are truly transformed. That's when freedom truly happens when we can love people like Jesus loved them. But guess what? You can't love people like Jesus did if you don't know the love of Jesus, if you're not encountering his love on a daily basis. That's why intimacy is so important. He goes on, by this, by what? By loving each other, by this, people, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Who will know? All people, not just some people, not just church people, not just conservatives, not just liberals, not just people of your skin color, not just people that agree with you. All people will know Jesus. They'll see Jesus when they see us loving each other and not judging each other, not blasting our disagreements on social media or talking to everyone else about them. That's not love. And the world is going to see Jesus in us when they see us loving each other. Did the disciples always agree? You know what? I bet they got really sick and tired of Peter pretty often. He was the loud mouth. He was, you know, always the compulsive one and that type A personality that you're just like, man, will you just shut up sometimes, Peter? 
They didn't always agree. But Jesus didn't say, the world will know that you are my disciples if you agree with each other. He said, the world will know you're my disciples if you love each other. Unity is not uniformity. I'm gonna preach, whether you like it or not. Did the disciples always agree? No. But the disciples changed the world for the gospel because what unified them was their love for Jesus and the mandate he gave them. That is what unified them. That is what empowered them and motivated them to go into all the world and preach the good news was Jesus, his love, his commission. And they set all of their other differences aside and they marched to that word. I like how it says it in the Passion Translation, John 13, 35, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. You see, his love is the standard. Not how you think you should love people or what you think they need. His love is the standard in every situation. Love people as Jesus loved them. When we see Jesus in one another, our vaulted opinions of ourselves will shrink. Read that with me. Because this is just as much for me and Leslie as it is for anybody else in this room. When we see Jesus in one another, our vaulted opinions of ourselves will shrink. He must become greater, I must become less. Our unity and love for Jesus and each other is a prerequisite for reaping the harvest. That's why this message today is so important in this series because Jesus says, love each other. He says, be one so that the world will know that you sent me. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love each other. So loving each other in unity together as the body of Christ must come before reaping the harvest. It's a prerequisite to reaping the harvest. Love and unity together. By this, the world will know who we are and who we serve. The answer to a divided nation is a united church. The answer to a divided nation is a united church. This is the hope that our love will supersede any difference of opinion, any difference of tradition, anything in the past. Our love will conquer all. That's what the word says. I think Leslie's gonna read that later. That that is an unchanging mandate and commission from Jesus. Do you believe that today? Do you believe it's possible? We don't want the war. It'll be the revolution. What are we fighting for? Feel the spirit pouring down now. See the healing with your eyes. It's lighting up the darkness. That's how we rise. Let love round the streets. Let love round the streets. One love, same blood. Peace in the family.
peace in the family. I, I was listening to that song at the gym yesterday. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come up to that for my part of the message. One love, one blood, peace in the family. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Come on, somebody. Man, Travis, you preached. So here's part two. Are you ready? We are here today to activate you to harvest. Our word uh, for this message series is activate. Active with a little eight at the end. I know, we're so cute and fancy, aren't we? But I, I, I was reading 1 Peter chapter 3. And I was like, Lord, what is your body supposed to look like? If you cut us open, how do we bleed? Come on, if you cut Lifeway Church in half, what would you see when you open it up and see what's inside? Would you see a disagreement? Would you see division? Would you see arguing? Would you see bickering? Or would you see the love of Jesus Christ pouring through the relationships of everyone in the house? Even if we disagree, I love that. But death to my opinion, when Jesus reigns in my heart, activate making something active or operative. We are operatives of peace. The gospel is a gospel of peace. The gospel is a gospel of mercy, of kindness, of grace. How were you saved? By what you did right? By how you performed? Or by your relationship with Jesus and saying, I'll I'll receive what you have for me? We are operatives of the gospel of peace, good news, love, grace, mercy, undeserved favor, redemption, restoration, forgiveness. This is our way forward. Yes? When we love each other with grace, peace, mercy, love, forgiveness. Oh my goodness, the Lord's prayer, he says it, he ends the prayer with, forgive me as I have forgiven others. We have to forgive in order to be forgiven. He says that at the end of the prayer. Don't think for a second that you just receiving my forgiveness, you can't hold a grudge or judge your brother. You have to give forgiveness to him too. It's a flow. So we can't say, well, I'm right, they're wrong, and out of my way. Mm -mm, That is not Jesus. Preaching to my own heart today. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, there are eight characteristics named that what the church, when you cut her open, what she should be bleeding. Are you ready? Every believer is blessed by God. There are eight virtues found in verses 8 and 9 that should characterize our fellowship as believers who follow Christ. Number one, sublime harmony. I looked up the word sublime, and it's not in my notes, so I'm going to try and remember it, but it was, it was beautiful harmony. How many, of you lo- excuse me, how many of you love when you hear a song, and you hear everybody singing their part, and they're singing in harmony, and it makes your heart just go, I can do that too. Ah! But the harmony inspires you to sing, to move. And sublime harmony in the church looks like people working together for one king, one kingdom. Not our own kingdoms, not our own thrones. We lay those down at the foot of the cross. We crucify them. And we rise up together in sublime harmony. Number two, demonstration of affectionate brotherly love. 
we are really good at tolerating. The Bible doesn't say tolerate one another. Oh, come on. Does it say tolerate one another? It says affectionately. I'll read it to you. We'll get there. I haven't even read the scripture yet, but affectionately love one another. Brotherly love. That means thinking the best, not the worst. That means laying down yourself and rising up to serve someone else. That means going the mile, extra mile, going the distance. Brotherly love. Number three, sympathy which could also be labeled as compassion. Do you have compassion for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you have compassion? Because it has to start here. If you don't have compassion for one another in this house, you won't have compassion for them out there. It starts here. It starts here. Kindness, humility. Boy, sometimes that pride monster is ugly. But they'll think this, if I don't, Oh, Jesus, help us. Laying down the pride, taking up the humble way forward. He didn't come as a ruler, as a authority. He came as a servant. Yes? He came as a baby. He came in the lowest possible way, in a manger, in a stable with the animals. And how often do we expect the church needs to do this, this, and this for me because you know, whatever. We serve and we move in humility. Well, that person, nope. Humility is the way forward. Humble yourselves before me. Number six, fervent love for one another. And not just one another, but we're gonna get to this at the end. We cannot love each other the way that we should if we don't receive the fervent love of God in ourselves. We need your presence. We need your love pouring in us so it can pour out of us. Intimacy, identity, increase. Intimacy, identity, increase. You can't pull from something you haven't spent time in. Just like you can't act like somebody you haven't spent time with, but you notice when you spend time with somebody, you you start to act like them. You start to talk like them. You start to move like them. And, And the Lord says, I want you to act like me. I want you to walk like me. I want you to talk like me. How do I do that? By spending time in his presence, by being aware of his presence, by fervently being loved and giving love to one another, no matter what's happening. Number seven, Never retaliating evil for evil or insult for insult. Wow, Peter is very clear. He doesn't say sometimes you have the permission to say whatever you want and retaliate on on people if they do this, this, and this to you. No, there's a very clear word at the beginning of that sentence. Never, nunca, you don't ever do it. Never retaliate evil for evil or insult for insult. This is so... Uh, glorious. That's not what I was going to say. Powerful. But we want to say it's so hard, but it's not. Because when the love of Jesus moves out of my mouth, it's easy. When I'm operating out of love, it's easy, right? He said our unity comes from the love of Christ. So number eight, what do I do when someone insults me, when someone speaks all kinds of evil against me? What does the word say? Bless them. Wow. Speaking blessing over those who mistreat us. Speaking blessing 
And sometimes that takes forgiveness. Come on. When somebody hurts you, you don't sit and say, humble yourself. Father, I forgive them. I will not let offense take seat in my heart. I bless them. Let them be blessed in the name of Jesus. Over and over again, every time the thought comes of anger, frustration, or hurt from the person that hurt you, you say, Jesus, I forgive them. Forgive me. Forgive me for holding anything. Let, this be, let me be free of this. I forgive them, and I bless them in the name of Jesus. This is the way forward. This is the unity of the body of Christ. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. It's going to be on the screen. Now, this is the goal to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness towards other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly, nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them because a blessing is what God promised to give you. For the scripture tells us, Whoever, and this is from Psalms, he's quoting Psalms, whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words and never deceive in what they say. Do not, have, have you turned on social media lately? <laughs> Holy moly, this isn't just for the words coming out of our mouth, but it's for the words coming out of our fingertips as well. Whew. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship, making it your prize. Peace is your prize. For the eyes of the Lord Yahweh rest upon the godly, and his heart responds to their prayers. But he turns his back on those who practice evil. Let peace be your prize in every relationship. Go the extra mile. Give the extra hug. Speak that one more word of forgiveness and blessing upon them. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 10 in the New American Standards says that the title of the section is Keep Fervent Love. That word fervent is not just a, a, a little word. It's a big one. It's fervent. It's fiery. It's passionate. It's I'm going to love you no matter what you do to me, no matter what it looks like, no matter what is said. I will love you. Come on, somebody. We can't say, oh, I'm, I don't like them. I hate them. That should never be words spoken out of our mouth. Verse 7 says, the end of all things is near. <laughs> the end is coming. <laughs> Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent love for, your, for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. How do we move in oneness in the body of Christ? By our love for one another, our willingness to pick up our cross and say, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to think the best of you. How many times do you have a situation happen to you and you automatically think the worst of the person? It's right away. It just comes. They're trying to hurt me. They're trying to do this. They're that. 
do not judge lest ye be judged. Oh my goodness, that is a, that is a, that has been ringing in my ears for the last three months. Do not judge. How dare you judge the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own eye? We cannot stand in the judgment of anyone's heart. That's not our job. He will take care of that. He is the judge. He is the righteous one. The other thing that I read, and it was in 1 John chapter 4, I believe. How do you know a righteous man? Is, is the father righteous? So someone who spends time with the Lord will walk righteously. Walk in righteousness. You have been clothed in righteousness. And I know this is an intense word, and I am speaking, we are speaking to our own hearts. But when we move, when we handle situations in the body, we have to remember what we're clothed in. We have to remember whose spirit we're of. And in the world, it would say, divide, divide, divide. But in the church, it says, let's do everything we can can to maintain that sublime harmony, that unity. Don't let anything divide us. In order for the body to participate in the harvest of his promises, salvation, healing, and deliverance, we must reflect Jesus in how we treat each other. We are activated for an Acts 247 experience when we love each other, honor each other, go after unity and harmony at all cost. Make peace your prize. Conflict is healthy. Okay, hear me. Conflict is healthy. Like he said, we're going to have our opinions. But conflict means there's growth. But how do we handle that conflict? Travis reminded me of this this week. Conflict handled in love produces life. Come on. Who likes conflict? Nobody's raising their hand. I don't either. Like, we're most likely to just say, just let them be them, and we're not going to talk about it, and we'll just brush it under the rug, and we'll just shove it away, and we're not going to deal with it because it's easier to just let them be and let them think what they want to think and blah, 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 blah. What does that cause in your heart towards that person? Division and hardness. You go to your brother. You leave your gift at the altar and you go to your brother and say, what's happening? I love you. You don't accuse. You don't walk in and say, what's wrong with you? Get it together, woman. Sometimes I want to say that to myself. But you walk in in love and say, how can we work together? How can we best see the Holy Spirit's life poured into this ministry or into the body or what God has called us to do in this valley? Because this body is going to move together like a heartbeat. We're going to see the blood pumping into the valley, the blood of Jesus Christ pumping into the valley. And we cannot let one divisive speech set into this body. Come on. Why are we talking about this today? Um, This is one of those messages that Pastor Travis and I are like, do we have to do this? But two weeks ago, God put this on our hearts. Yes, we absolutely do because this is victory, guys. The enemy wants us to stay divided. He wants us to stay hurting one another. He wants us to stay in our opinions. He wants us to stay married to self. And we have to die to self. We have to set aside the division and we have to take the heart of Jesus and say, how do you see? It's so good. This is good news. This is exciting. This is a victory. This is liberty, liberation. We will see souls saved and set free when we move in harmony. We will see harvest personally and corporately when we follow the two greatest commandments. What are the two greatest commandments, church? Love God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love some people, the ones I like, the ones that are nice to me, the ones that are not annoying. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Oh, love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. I feel victory in the room this morning because the enemy wants you to stay in hate and frustration and anger with the people that have hurt you. And when you get free from that, when you get free from his claws, his nasty nastiness, you will become the beaming love of God. He, he, he is taking the claws out and you are free. That's good. That's healing. It sounds like CR. We love celebrate. We go the extra mile to honor one another. We think the best, not the worst. We don't accuse, rather show epic grace. I put in the word epic grace because what has been shown to me is epic grace. It's not manufactured. It's not something I have to force. Jesus gave it to me. He gave me grace, so I will give it to one another. Right? Epic. It's like, I can't believe you're giving me grace right now. I can't believe you're forgiving me right now, what I did. No, it's, that is our way forward. We have received freely. So freely we give in Jesus' name. Oh, the enemy hates us and he doesn't want this word to get into your heart today because it's, it's, this, is the, this is the stuff stirring in the atmosphere. But we have a different kingdom. We do not have a kingdom of divisive spirits. We have a kingdom of unity, and it is the way forward. We provide for each other. We serve each other. The outflow of this kind of unity is the great commission. Then we bring in the harvest. People want, they're drawn. What is happening inside that church? Wait a second. There are no walls on that church. They're telling me they love legacy, and the Presbyterian church, and the Methodist church. And they, and they love the Baptists down the street. They're telling me that there's no walls. The presence of God, this is what Matt delivered on Wednesday night, the presence of God is the covering of the body of Christ. We need to tear down the walls with everything we can. I will not allow denominational division to enter my thinking. I will not think less of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I will speak joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness over them. People are drawn to or long for this kind of relationship. This is what we were made for. God created us in the garden for relationship with him and relationship with each other. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to give him a helper. We were created to be in unity. And you know what hurts the enemy the most? When we do it. When we love. When we pursue it at all costs. When we lay our lives down and pick up our cross and follow Jesus hard. We are made for this. We are made for the kingdom. Kingdom come. Last week, I gave you three words. You see, it's so crazy. At 10 o'clock last night, I got a text message from my mom, who our superintendent, John Wooten, he is over all of the Assemblies of God in Ohio. He put out a word to the pastors last night. Literally, it's like point by point our message for this morning. Jesus! He's speaking something to the church, not just Lifeway. 
We cannot participate in the division of the culture. Get it out, Jesus. Get it out. Number 10, he says, we don't create unity. We join what the Spirit has created. We don't create unity. We join what the Spirit has created. This is not something we can produce because we try and we make a big, big mess. Come on. But if we're in the Spirit, we're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't of our doing. It will never be which is why we can't ignore it, shortcut it, or reinvent it. The only unity the world will ever know is that which comes from the Spirit of God. Being unified is much more than me agreeing with another believer's take on things. It's him and her and me together all drawing close to his Spirit and his will. It's him and her and me all drawing close to his Spirit and his will. Will you stand? How do we stay unified? There's three words I gave you last week. Intimacy, identity, increase. You see, when we spend time with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that intimacy is everything. His presence is everything. Like Pastor John said, we can't do this on our own. We have to do this by being with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. He is with you right now. He's with you when you're brushing your teeth. He's with you when you're putting on your shoes. He's with you when you lay down at night. He is with you when you go to your job every day. He's with you when you're walking down the street. He's with you when you're driving your car. Recognize the presence in your life everywhere you go. Intimacy then creates identity because when you're intimate with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he looks at you and he says, I know you. I created you. You are mine. You are my daughter. You are my son. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. The enemy wants nothing more than rob, steal, kill, and destroy that purpose and plan for your life. But when you step into intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, your identity is restored. Forgiveness flows. And then out of that identity restoration, you can pour out peace in increase. In increase. Intimacy, identity, increase. You, body of Christ, have been activated today to go and move like this, to love like this, to invite people to come in like this. Out of intimacy with the Father pours increase, harvest, harvest the promises. If the promise looks like for you this year, your family that was lost, pray and move. Listen to his voice and obey. Don't hesitate. Don't back down. Do what he's telling you to do. It's not Travis and Leslie doing it all. Come on. You are the body of Christ. Like we told Matt, he he was joking. He's like, I'm just the toe. Well, if you're just the toe, you better be moving because without the toe, the balance is off. Come on. You got to do your part. You got to join in unity, in synergy. Get plugged in, get going. And it's not about growing in numbers. It's about growing in love for one another and then reaching a very lost and dying world. Come on, guys. We have a job to do. We can't sit on our hands. We can't let the enemy lie anymore. You have a voice. You have a purpose.
You have a voice. You have feet. You have hands. Amen? Do it.